We're back on the Fan Morning Show. Happy Valentine's Day to the people we love. Our Sportsnet employees. <laughs> our insiders. We love Dawn Valley, North Lexus. Our insider brought to you by said Dawn Valley, North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DawnValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Nick Kiprios, former NHL forward, 94 Stanley Cup champion, host of Real Kipper and Born, which we love dearly with all of our heart. Good morning, Kipper. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. What do you do when you were a kid, Kipper? Did you write the little Valentines, give them to your crush? Were you too cool? Did you just say, hey, babe, no, I was, how are you? I had, a, I had a card for everybody. Hmm. Yep. That's two, beautiful. Two. To Kathy from Nick. Nice. To from not love Nick. You're just no, straight. Not love. Just formal. to and from. No, no creative writing. Just to no, and from. Nothing. I had no game back then. Really? No game at all. Wow. I was a late bloomer. Okay. Yeah. No confidence. Just straight by the book. When kid. did when did things change for you? Uh, I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting. Uh, Kipper, you have kids, right? I've got three kids. I've got a, a lovely wife. A shout out to my wife, Anne-Marie. Oh, uh, happy Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. That's lucky, lovely. Very lucky guy. You know the key to, to all of it. You just be with someone who's way smarter than you. <laughs> right? I'm telling you. And that must have been hard acknowledge for you, it, eh? If you acknowledge it real early, uh, you're, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be in good shape. That's lovely. I'm very glad that you shared that. We're giving everyone the platform to profess their love this morning. We yes. do think it's sweet. We were asking our listeners about the Valentine process now, and I, since you have kids, I don't know if they're still giving Valentines out, but apparently now you just kind of give them generically to your classmates. You don't write names. You don't get class lists oh, really? unless you're putting the effort in to get the class list. Like I don't know if that's the, the same situation your kids are going through or they just send a DM. Have we lost the art of handwritten cards? Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I got kids everywhere in school, so they're gone. And uh, it's just me and my wife and uh, a dog. Oh, right now. very sweet. The, do- the dog gets a Valentine, too. <laughs> the dog better get a bone or something. <laughs> right now, uh, uh, it's like having uh, an infant all over again, having this dog. I mm. love him. Uh, and uh, he's, he's great. Uh, but... Uh, uh, he's we're, we're not empty nesters. When you have a dog, you're still not an empty nester. Well, Ailish is on the cusp of uh, puppies coming a dog, soon. Kipper. So you'll have to send her some tips. Wow, yes, when the time does come. I know. For a couple sure. weeks away, Kipper. So awesome. I already don't sleep enough. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, so this weekend, uh, home and home with Columbus, a win and a loss. Any uh, key takeaways from you after well, the weekend's action? Yeah, I, I really, uh, I, I went Saturday night. I, I watched the game uh, like everybody else. I uh, saw it live and uh, the tale of two stories, a, a, a dominant uh, looking good. Everything seems to be on course. First period, 2 nothing. Uh, I don't think Columbus had uh, three shots on goal in 17 minutes. Uh, every, everything looked fine. And then it was like, is this the same team? So, uh, yeah, a little concerning uh, listening to Sheldon Keefe's comments uh, yesterday. Uh, we went through the, the show with, and, you know, the, 
the biggest concern is that uh, you didn't see a, an effort or competitiveness out of his team with under 30 games to go. So uh, for Kyle Dubas, it just piles on in terms of uh, now being uh, under three weeks to the trade deadline. Uh, they're they're going to go real quick these, uh, these days, having an added dimension of uh, – your coach questioning the the guys. I I didn't like it all, and uh, I think that puts a ton of pressure on Kyle to uh, to go out there and uh, and tweak. How does that happen? Where it's four periods of utter dominance over a team that looks like it doesn't belong on the same sheet of ice with you, and then all of a sudden it switches. Like, is that like the uh, you know? Uh, basically a change up when you've been seeing all fastballs. Like how does it, when one team, yeah. the Columbus Blue Jackets just decides, Hey, we've got to get it together right now. Like, is that kind of what you saw? And is maybe the most concerning thing that, okay, they did see the change up and they whiffed on it, but they had no adjustment in the third period. They weren't any better in the third period. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that's an excellent question. And it doesn't matter from what era or generation that you played. Uh, you know there's going to be some games where you just lay an egg and and that's the end of it. Uh, but the one the one concerning for me was watching it Saturday night, uh, Justin, was that they 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 still have a, a difficult time finding different ways to beat you, this Toronto Maple Leaf Hockey Club, and they 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 when they attack and when they're on and when their star players are on, and I'm talking about Mitch Marner. Uh, Willie Nylander, Tavares, and uh, you know when, when Matthews comes back, that uh, they're a very dangerous team. But when there needs to be some adjustment, and the adjustment for me Saturday night was that Columbus dug in and, and got a lot more physical in the back half of the game, and they won battles, and they, they pushed the Leafs off pucks. And whether it was in front of the net or in the corners, along the walls, uh, Toronto had no answer for the physicality that Columbus brought on. And that's the compete, and that's the effort to, to fight for loose pucks, and the Leafs just didn't bring it. And whether it's Tampa Bay or Boston, they have different looks to, to beat you. And uh, I think if, if Kyle can focus on getting one or two guys that can find different ways to, to win, uh, in, we know that the Leafs want to outskill you. They want to out uh, speed you. Uh, they want to they want to move uh, around you, uh, but they're going to need a few guys that can go through you when it's called for. That was missing Saturday night. So when they lose games to lesser opponents, um, in which they have a less, I think, a under five hundred record this year now against the lowest of the low in the t- in in terms of the league. Obviously, it's tough. It's tough to glean too much from these, other than what you mentioned. But is this how you maybe you glean what the Maple Leafs need at the trade deadline? If you're trying to take one thing away from these losses, is it that ability to dig in, to have the grit? Is that one tangible thing? You know, when you yes. watch a game like this, especially without Austin Matthews, I think that changes the dynamic of the roster. But think about it in the playoffs. If one of your stars isn't on, this. Comp- this depth is tested, right? So when you're watching these games, is this where you start to think about, hey, X player would be a great fit three weeks from now at the trade deadline? Yeah, n- n- no question about that. Um, I think, uh, Ailish, when you when you, uh, when you you look at the Leaf roster and uh, you, you're missing a, a Jake Muzzin, and we're talking about, you know, Jake Muzzin healthy. Mm-hmm. Jake Muzzin feeling good. Jake Muzzin at his best. Uh, there was a... 
dimension back on the blue line uh, that no one can clearly match right now. And that it continues to be a big hole that has not been filled. So, you know, you factor in that uh, he's on the uh, long-term IR, that you could use his money, um, and you 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 just think that uh, this whole time it's about banking cap space. Every every day they don't do something and they wait closer to the deadline, they bank more space to add that player. So that has to be the focus here um, at, at some point is just to find competitive guys that can – find different ways to to beat you and uh if that's not a focus uh, uh it should be uh for Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan uh, heading towards March 3rd. I know you've been on the Jacob Chikrin beat. Um is he is he the guy that yeah, the Leafs have the, the most a, interest uh, in the the biggest fit that you're thinking ahead of yeah, the trade deadline? That that is the million dollar question. <laughs> and again, we're we're really at the point now where uh, it's the the list has grown on the wants and needs of the Toronto Maple Leafs since uh, since the season started, and it just seemed like it seems like for the last few years, guys, that we were, we were talking about Leafs needing a defenseman or two, but that's grown into a top six winger. It's turned into a, a competitive bottom six uh, player, and with questions on Matt Murray and and not putting too much pressure on Joseph Wall to come in in the last 28 games, play, what, three or four games and show that he's capable of being a backup to Samsonov. Uh, it's it's a big list right now. So I, I don't know if even if, if Jacob Chikrin comes in and you know, he, he can compete, he can... Uh, move a puck. He can quarterback a power play. He can do a lot of things. But I'm not even sure if if one player, uh, one significant player, will be enough to say that uh, this team's ready to compete against a, a Boston Bruins team. Uh, we still think that the lineup as is, it, it should be a competitive series against Tampa Bay and a couple bounces in game six uh, last year, and maybe we're talking about a a different outcome for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's how close it was against Tampa Bay. So, uh, but to to look at the Boston Bruins and what they've been able to do over the the course of uh, this regular season uh, has been nothing short of uh, uh, astonishing. Yeah. So, Sorry. Go I, ahead. I, I I I really believe that. Um, you know the wish list is is a hard one now to to feel like you can uh, you stand a chance to to get out of your division and and go to a conference final, but um, it, it's it's a it's a it's a tall task right now for the Leafs to uh, to have a wish list and and hit on all of them uh, in in what less than uh, you know nineteen days mm-hmm. whatever we're at. Yeah, it's hard to determine that Jacob Chikrin's like the catch-all answer when you got Alex Steves, you know, going through another tryout, like after Bobby McMahon and Pontus Holmberg and Joey Anderson, like a rotating cast at the depths of the lineup, at least up front for the Maple Leafs. And it kind of makes you think that, yeah, they got to find a way to get multiple assets, maybe in one deal or a series of deals in order to actually optimize the group. But I guess with Jacob Chikrin, the benefit, though, and the most, the strongest redeeming quality, I think, is that, 
He's under contract for a little while, and if you can get him at a discount price, he helps you this year and next, and maybe next year is the year where you can actually optimize the roster, uh, but we shall see. And like you talk about Boston, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning are right, right now nipping at the heels at the Maple Leafs, have a better point percentage now. This this could be a like a this could be a silver lining or or something that turns into a positive having to actually play for something down the stretch here. But does the onus fall back on Sheldon Keefe to like recognize that they're now in a chase for this second spot and that it should mean something over the last few games here over the last few months to really play for and that they can dial into this? Does is this like a good carrot that has kind of revealed itself here to Sheldon Keefe? Well, judging by his comments yesterday, where you questioned, uh, you know, their 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 character on on effort and competitiveness, I'd say yes, it's it's shaping up that way. That uh, uh, they're not Sheldon's not going to let them get away with uh, efforts like that Saturday night, and the last twenty eight games will mean something to him in terms of getting people ready to uh, to be- make make believers that you can make noise and this is the year that you get out of the first round. So uh, I, I think it's going to be a long 28 games uh, if if we see the inconsistencies from Friday to Saturday uh, the rest of the season. Saying that, like just to go back on 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 Chikrin or, or anyone that uh, is of significance like a, a Timo Meyer, like it's so expensive to go out there and, and commit future assets to these guys. And it, the bull Horvat, uh, I think deal compared to a chicken deal, um, is night and day on, on Bo being a, a pending UFA and still needing a contract with the Islanders uh, and trading them like that. than a, than a Jacob chicken with a long-term deal that you had just mentioned moments ago. And that's why, that's why that uh, that Arizona would would hold out for Matthew Nyes or in LA's case uh, a Brent Clark who's mm. a, t- a top eight pick overall and and someone that's deemed as uh, a can't miss uh, star defenseman in the NHL in the in the future. So it's it's expensive and it's going to take a major commitment for the Leafs to to land something that makes people believe that uh, uh, that the Leafs have. Uh, done very well between now and the trade deadline yeah the the expense though is so much more justifiable if you don't have to worry about hey it all you know you just basically burned up a prospect in a first round pick because you lost in the first round again like at least you get uh, a couple more years if it's chicken uh, we did see joe yeah. wall over the weekend um not necessarily the stat line or the sort of result he would have been looking for, but did you see anything that uh, gave you hope that this guy could be a difference maker for this team, whether yeah. it's a backup or someone who can push for a starter's role in the NHL one day? Yeah, I, uh, no, I, I I didn't see it. And that's not to say that he's uh, not capable, or it's not to say that uh, he doesn't have a great future in the National Hockey League, but uh, I was telling someone Saturday night, um, you know, they asked me what you thought of uh, Joseph Wall, and I said, uh, you know, that's like asking me uh, to go to a PGA Tour and watch everybody at the driving range hit the ball and say, hey, what do you think about this guy? Can he win? <laughs> and it's like they all look the same. They're all big and strong. They can all drive the ball 340 yards, and they all hit the ball as clean as they could hit it. 
But when you have to win and you have to make a save and you have to make a putt uh, to win and you can do it when you have to do it, that's the difference in all of them. And Joseph Wall can't really necessarily show you that uh, right off the bat. Uh, um, but the, the goalies, they're all big. They all kind of look the same. They play the same. Their style of play now uh, is is taught all over the world by these goalie coaches. And again, to to ask Joseph Wall to come in and play a significant role uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs to, to end this drought of 1967 is a tough task. So, uh, it, it, you know, what'll be interesting guys is, is watching these last 28 games. And as we, we, we think, and you hope that Matt Murray's getting healthy, uh, Who's going to be in a position now to to get the games in, to be ready uh, to what we believe is going to be a backup situation to Samsonov? That to me is a bigger question uh, on on who gets the the backup role once Matt Murray's healthy. What do you make of Michael Bunting and his relationship with the referees? Are they just done with giving him the benefit of the doubt? Has he? Justin loves this word. Is it becoming untenable in terms of his, his role and the sustainability of being the guy and then not getting the benefit of the doubt when he gets choked in the corner. Like where do you go from here? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a great question. And yes, uh, you know, he's, he's running out of time with the officials. Uh, they have no patience for him and uh, you know, it's kind of run its course a little bit. In saying that, I, I I like Michael Bunting at all. I I like what he represents. I, I like the fire in him, the passion in him. But it just needs to be uh, controlled, and it just needs to be tempered, and it just he needs some guidance. And I don't know, um, you know, how much time they spend with him or what they're telling him. But I, I would, me personally, because I've lived it, I've played that role. I understand. Um, you know the the pros and cons of 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 pushing the envelope uh, to to draw attention to you know drawing a power play all of that um, you know it I I think he can change I, I think he can he can win officials over I I think it's possible that uh, that that he can he can turn this uh, perception of him around it just takes time and it takes the ability now to almost uh, shut down the thought that you'll ever draw another penalty again and just play. And over time, uh, you can earn respect out of the officials. And right mm. now he's lost it. He's lost uh, uh, the benefit of the doubt of drawing penalties. And that it comes, again, over time of of the long looks to the officials, the, the slowly getting up, uh, the antics on the bench, the yelling, the screaming. Uh, you just got to go out and play these last 28 games and you've got to uh, get it out of your mind that uh, you're going to draw another penalty. And if you, if you just over time, uh, just find a way to play hard and, and not feel like you have to draw this, uh, this attention, uh, I, I think he can turn around uh, the perception of him uh, being that guy that uh, tries to fool the officials. Well, maybe with a little additional help, maybe the trade deadline, he doesn't have to be the guy that does it all. Maybe you share the load and he feels a little bit less 
yeah, emphasis on part, him. Ailish, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but the, the hard part now is to still find that edge that, you, that, mm-hmm. that brought you here. And, you know, we had Anthony Stewart on the, our Real Kipper and Bourne show the other day, and he's like, you know, uh, he's still a guy that wants to draw you into the fight and he can drag you into uncomfortable situations, which, are, which is a good thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You don't want to lose that. And again, there's that fine line of 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 not uh, you know giving in to the fact that uh, you still need to get into a pile and you still need to look someone in the eye and say, "Hey, not on my watch," and uh, um, I'll, I'll stand shoulder to shoulder with you and and not back down. I mean, there's a there's there's a way to still do that, but not be that guy that uh, that officials can all get together and say, you know. What's with this guy? Kipper, it is Valentine's Day, and we were writing poems for former, current, future Leafs. We wanted to share that with you, so I wrote you a little poem. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me Are let you me ready? sit down. <laughs> <laughs> the mornings are early, but for us, you're awake. You're the real Kipper. We don't accept any fakes. You're secretly a teddy bear, but your booming voice wakes the nation. On Valentine's Day and every day, we're proud to have you on our station. Another banger. <laughs> wow. I'll send it to you. You can print it, put it on your wall. <laughs> I've got the perfect place over the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Kipper, for joining us. We love having Hello. you every morning or every week Thank and uh, enjoy today and every day. Thank you. Likewise and happy Valentine's Day. It's Nick Kiprios from Ran NHL Forward, 94 Stanley Cup champ, co-host of Real Kipper and Born, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. We've uncovered a hidden talent here with you. Honestly, I might be a poet. Pretty good. I did that while we were talking to him. Too. I know. That's really <laughs> so, good. I'm not going to lie. I was writing that poem while we were interviewing him. You want to hear it again? Sure. Go ahead. Your mornings are early, but for us, you're awake. You're the real Kipper. We don't accept any fakes. You're secretly a teddy bear, but your booming voice wakes the nation. On Valentine's Day and every day, we're proud to have you on our station. I don't know if I have it in me to write one for Tyler O'Neill at 7.30, but I could. We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if Bomani Jones, don't know the guy. I could write him a poem. Yeah, maybe you could try one on him. Okay. Um, Can I have one little tweak? Of course. Instead of no fakes, or fakes, go... We don't have no fake or something like that, so it does rhyme. We won't get stand, rid of the S? stand for no fake or something like okay. that. Okay. Just saying. Now we're getting nitpicky. I'm just saying. We okay, could, Justin. We could perfect it. Uh, before we do something to chew on, I needed to read something from a listener, Jim in Keswick. This is for his Valentine. To my beautiful Heather from Pefferlaw, who married a boy from Sutton. We've been together 25 years, and I'm absolutely crazy about you. Here's to many more years of happiness. Love you so much, Heather, from your hubby, Jim. Wow. That's so sweet. This is so awesome. This is so sweet. This is my favorite day on the Fan Morning Show. That was lovely. And Sutton, you know, holds a special heart. place in my heart, so I had to read that one. Okay. Of course. Simon the Chew On brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. We love meat. According to <laughs> we do. Post Media, Canadian actor Ryan Reynolds has parted with Remington Group, a Toronto real estate development company, 
in a bid to purchase the Ottawa Senators. The company is based in Vaughan. Shout out Vaughan. That's your hometown. Well, currently, they've been in business for nearly 65 years. He's looking to go in on this Ottawa Senators thing legit, and he's got a company Interesting to go that the Vancouver guy is teaming up with Toronto guys hey, to go buy where the, money the is, Senators, buddy. to buy the Ottawa Senators. Maybe it's a, an Will elaborate they stand scam. For that? I'm like, I mean, this is a big time. This is a coup for the Remington Group. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not allowing the sale. I mean, we asked Bill, did we ask Bill Daly's? I think something like that. Like, they're not. Ryan Reynolds is winning it. They want Ryan Reynolds involved. So Why Remington. If if we're doing odds for this, minus a thousand Remington Group buying the Ottawa Senators. I think it's. I I don't know much about the Remington Group, but I might have to go to them for all my real estate needs now. To buy some Remington Group stock right now. They are partnered with Ryan Reynolds, and they're going in. I wonder how many official bids are going to be going for the Ottawa Senators, but we know there's one. We know it's a big one. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds officially in on. Ottawa Senators. Your number one draft pick of legendary Canadians. He sure was, and I'm standing by that. Okay. Okay, we're going to take a break because we're going to talk to a legendary Canadian, Tyler O'Neill from the St. Louis Cardinals and Team Canada, suiting up for the upcoming World Baseball Classic. The team unveiled their roster late last week, and he'll hit in the middle of the order alongside Freddie Freeman. We're going to chat with him next on the Fan Morning Show. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This one brings back memories. My MSN status. Really? You had MSN during the Swift era? I think so. I don't know. Stay Maybe. away from Julie. Maybe. The best of times was rocking out, putting your crush's name in your MSN bio with a heart, or just their initials. Like nobody knew that who you were talking about. The sign, yeah. No, we're not dumb. <laughs> no, no one's dumb. The sign in, sign or sign out, sign in. You liked was that? The, eh? That was your move. That was the move. Yeah. What about? Um, <laughs> no, you would go like BRB shower. Like XOXO hockey. You would just put everything you're doing. BRB shower XOXO like hockey. Like you would put every single thing you're doing you in your MSN bio. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, yeah. you would, you'd keep everybody updated with keep your whereabouts. apprised of what you're doing. Bring back MSN. That's today's Some good work goal. gets done on MSN. That's right. A Canadian hero also on the show this morning, Tyler O'Neill, St. Louis Cardinals and Team Canada outfielder joining us now on the show. Bright and early, Tyler. Thanks for getting up and coming on with us. Hi, Alex. Hey, Justin. Good morning. I think you might be up early because you just had a baby. Congratulations. How's it being a dad? And uh, is that one of the reasons you're up nice and early at seven for us? Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, Yes, baby girl. We had her. We had her five weeks ago. Uh, it's been super amazing becoming a dad. Just what an incredible process, incredible experience for me. Um, definitely something I'll never forget. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm loving being a dad. You know, of course, I'm losing a little bit of sleep, but uh, you know that's okay. You know, it's definitely a sacrifice that that me and, and my wife would would take every, ten times out of ten, and um, it's been great. 
Awesome. Obviously an exciting time for you becoming a father. And now you get to look forward to the World Baseball Classic. Second time at the event for you uh, six years ago because of the pandemic. Uh, it wasn't the tournament Canada maybe had hoped for. But how do you think your initial experience, having some experience under your belt at this event, is going to shape the feeling, your, your your motivations, your intentions heading into the 2023 version? Yeah, yeah. Back in 2017, I had an absolute blast playing in the World Baseball Classic. Um, you know, at the time, I hadn't cracked into the major leagues yet. I was still a minor leaguer. Um, but, you know, being able to play for Canada has always been, uh, you know, a goal of mine, a dream of mine, you know, coming up through through the through high school ranks and stuff. And, you know, I was able to be fortunate enough to play on the junior national team and a couple of international tournaments after that. And, WBC's taken it to a whole nother level. So anytime I can wear Canada across my chest, you know, I'm, I'm itching for that opportunity. Um, again, it's something I grew up dreaming of doing, and I'm just so excited to be a part of it again. Um, you know, last year we were in, or not, excuse me, last year. In 2017, we were in Miami and playing playing uh, at, that, at that ballpark with 40-plus thousand Dominicans screaming and 40-plus thousand Americans screaming. You know, we were, we were playing those two respective teams. It was definitely an amazing experience, uh, just so loud. So international baseball is just so loud, um, and uh, I look forward to that again. So your role then, I mean, you were an important part of the team six years ago, but not an established major leaguer yet, and now, of course, you are. So how does that change sort of your role, if at all, uh, going into this tournament? Yeah, you know, I want to do my part of course uh you know hopefully i'll be hitting in the middle of that order or somewhere somewhere near there and uh you know doing my part on the defensive side of the ball um you know i'm just going to do everything that i can to, to help that ball club win ball games you know it looks like we got a couple more guys than we did the last time so it's good to see some of the boys uh you know recruiting out there and, and getting together and uh you know having that camaraderie and stuff and uh you know it's going to be great looking forward to it uh, Freddie Freeman, uh, you were teammates with six years ago. Obviously, no small thing that this guy, an established all-star and one of the best players in Major League Baseball, chose to play for Canada. So what, what struck you when you were teammates with him the first time, and how eager are you to team up with him again? Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate Freddie's story, obviously. You know, if you listen to him talk, you know, he talks about his mom um, being from Canada and stuff, and, you know, any time that he can represent her and represent um, you know, her nation, you know, and, and obviously his nation as well. That's uh, that's amazing. It's such a cool story and cool background to listen to. Uh, you know, Freddie's a great, great teammate. He's a great dude. Um, you know, I really enjoyed uh, our initial, I guess, meeting in 2017. Um, you know, he's super positive. Obviously, he's a great ball player. Uh, you know, he's so good offensively and defensively. Um, you know, great guy to have on our team. You know, that's, that's kind of what we want to build around here. And, you know, obviously Baseball Canada knows that. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to try and do my part to compensate on um, or, um, you know, balance with him. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to that. So the roster unveiled late last week um, for Canada's team. There's a, a good blend of young and veteran talent. Who else should Canadian baseball fans have circled or be excited to see uh, when you guys kick it off in Phoenix? Um, yeah, so, you know, we got, uh, we, uh, you know, I have to look at the roster again, but it looks like we got some good arms, um, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of, you got, you got um, you know, Pavetta, I'm sure the Canadian fan base follows him playing for Boston, uh, you know, hopefully Quantrill starts a game for us, um, 
you know, obviously he's had some great success over in Cleveland the last couple of years. You know, we got some guys, uh, guys in the bullpen. We got some veteran presence, um, you know, back there, Matheson, Omont, um, you know, list goes on. I'm going to have to, uh, going to have to take a peek again, but, um, you know, it's, it's a really good core that we have, you know, it's like, you know, obviously, you know, playing in the big leagues is great and all, um, you know, there's so much opportunity and so much, so much to live about, but, um, you know, just playing, playing with the boys and on team counts is a little different, um, you know, kind of, kind of coming up with them, you know, even when I was in the minor leagues, you know, I know these guys from 10 years ago or so, and, you know, playing with them in Pan Ams and, you know, we're in the Premier 12 internationally in Taiwan and stuff, and, you know, a couple guys in the junior national team even earlier than that. Um, you know, I just feel like these long, deep relationships with the Baseball Canada guys just almost goes to a different level, you know. Um, and it, it, it's just something I really look forward to every time I have that opportunity. Did you guys try to recruit Jordan Romano? I know that he originally committed to Team Italy and then withdrew, but he'd be a nice uh, Canadian addition. It's too bad that he won't be there. Yeah, no doubt. You know, obviously he's uh, he's a heck of an arm. You know, he's had so much success over in Toronto, uh, over there. Um, you know, <laughs> any guy that throws 99 is can definitely do some help. Um, but a 99 plus, I should say. But um, yeah, no, I mean, the guys have to withdraw, and you know, some things don't work out with insurance and stuff. And there's a lot that can go on with the MLB sponsored event. Um, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't work out for some guys, whatever aspect that may be. But um, for me personally, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. We're chatting with Tyler O'Neill of the St. Louis Cardinals and will be representing rather Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic. Tyler, what do you make of the timing of this event? Is it kind of like the perfect ramp up for an MLB season for uh, an MLB player? Does it does it work where it is? And is it kind of uh, you see it as a benefit going into the season uh, with St. Louis? Yeah, Um so, you know, back in 2017, I, I was honestly still trying to figure out what the heck I was doing. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't have like that, that, that routine now that I definitely have, um, you know, kind of a little more established now and better understanding of myself and understanding how the year looks to ramp up and stuff. Um, you know, it, it's a lot for, for us ball players early in the season. I think we only get to play like 10 games down here for me in Florida, um, before I head over to Arizona and then, you know, I'm not playing nine innings in those 10 games. You know, I'm going to build up. I'm going to play three, probably two at bats, three, four innings the first couple of times and hopefully stretch to five, seven, the next couple of times. And then hopefully get up to nine, you know, before I head out. But, you know, spring, that's pretty quick for a spring training ramp up for me. Um, you know, I, I think personally, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it would look like, but, um, and I don't know if this has been a format that they have done before, but if they did it after the season, kind of how the Super Bowl and mm. the Pro Bowl work, um, you know, because that would, that would allow guys that are healthy and eligible and able to play, um, there would be a lot less restriction on those guys. Um, you know, I, I just remember watching the World Cup this year. It's happening in December. I know that's abnormal yeah. uh, for the World Cup. It usually happens in the summer. But, um, you know, I think... I don't know. You know, I think I personally would have it after the playoffs, but you know, it doesn't really matter to me. I want to be there regardless. Uh, you had a career year in 2021, but last year you were uh, limited a little bit due to injury on just on a personal level, how big this season is for you and, and sort of uh, the work that you put in over the off season to uh, make sure 2023 is a good one. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I definitely had uh, that coming out season in 21, um, you know, to show the league and, and everyone else what I was about and what I'm capable of. You know, I, I think there's more in the tank than that still. But, um, you know, last year I learned a lot about myself, just understanding how to, how to how my body reacts and you know how I, how I need to be feeling and the recovery routines I need to to implement and um, different things in the gym different things in the weight room different ways to warm up um, yeah it's very unfortunate you know being being hurts it's the worst there's nothing you can do about it you know when you're sitting on the sidelines so it's like I want to train I want to get healthy I want to recover I want to do stuff but it's not the case when you're hurt so you know what I did was just I just I I took it upon myself, obviously, to be proactive in the off season. And um, you know, my wife and I we moved down to St. Louis full time. We and we got after it. You know, we had a great routine down there. We had our connections and our people down there. I was able to train at, at the Bush Stadium with the team trainers um, the entire off season. You know, my body's been looked after by our team chiropractors and our trainers. Um, my strength is that, you know, I got back on my heavy lifting, you know, my strength feels great. My body feels dynamic. Uh, my warmups have been intensive. My, my throwing and hitting and running programs have been accelerated. Um, you know, I just feel like I'm in a really good spot physically right now. And I'm just like itching to put it to work. Um, and, you know, obviously I wanted to be ready for this quick ramp up with the WBC too. Um, but you know, I, I feel great where I'm at right now. You don't sound or look like someone who has any uh, lax motivation, I guess, mm-hmm. to go to the gym. Do you have any advice for two radio hosts who <laughs> maybe don't have that same drive? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I can't get away from from my background, right? Like, you know, I came from a powerlifting background, obviously. You know, anyone that reads on me probably reads something about my dad being a powerlifter back in the day, and I'm... I'm just grateful to have a good understanding of, you know, weightlifting structure, uh, you know, dieting structure, um, you know, the little nuances that kind of add up together. Um, and, you know, I was able to start that in an early age and, um, you know, just, just really getting back into it, just really bearing down and getting back into it, you know, because like for me, like being pissed off is good. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be sitting on the sidelines again. Like I need to, I need to be proactive and I need to be ready, um, and this, this was the only path for me. We're talking to you with a box of Timbits in between the two of us, <laughs> 20 of them that will be consumed by the end of the show. So that feels good to, to listen to you talk about how healthy you feel. <laughs> um, Tyler, okay, sorry. Um, we'll, we'll ask you about um, a lot of eyes last year on the Cardinals, obviously with Pujols' season and his retirement. What was it like watching him um, just kind of – captivate the MLB audience and what he was able to do. And now without him in the lineup and without him in the clubhouse next season uh, with his retirement, what's that going to be like and how different will that be to not have him around? Yeah. I mean, watching Albert last year was so special. Um, You know, he had, he had such a presence in St. Louis uh, in the previous decade and, you know, just to kind of see him come back and, and, you know, come back to life and bring that fan base back to life and, you know, go out with Yachty it was really, really incredible. You know, like he got off to a bit of a slower start at the beginning of the year, but man, did he turn it on the second half? Like that guy went absolutely off. He, you know, for him to reach 700 homers, like it was, I honest, it was so crazy to watch. Like every time this guy came up to the plate, like 
baseball stadiums are loud, but like you could hear a pin drop before every pitch when this guy was at the plate. Like every eye was, every eyeball was on this guy, every pitch, and like it was, it was honestly just so incredible to watch the hush of the crowd and then like the roar when he when he made contact and when he, when he spun something out of the yard. It was just incredible, honestly. You also had the MVP in your dugout in Paul Goldschmidt. How did uh, how did Goldie or how has Goldie helped you become a better major leaguer? Definitely, yeah. I learned a lot from Paul Goldschmidt. Um, you know that that guy knows himself probably better than anyone. Um, you know, just understanding his routine, understanding his body, understand his scouting, um, and understanding what he needs on a daily basis. Um, you know, just uh, I just pick up little things where I can. You know, like little little scouting tips. Um, you know, little things in the weight room that I might like to implement. Um, you know, if he's feeling a certain way, you know, hitting or like you know he's feeling something in his backside. You know, seeing how he works through different things. Um, you know, just trying to pick up on little nuances from from those guys. You know, that that's key for for guys like me and, and my stage. You know, kind of early middle of my career starting to ramp up you know those guys they just know themselves so well so um you know that's the biggest key for me is you know like even him like those guys are always learning they're always reading they're always learning something um they're trying to try to still trying to figure it out you know he's had so much success but he's always trying to learn and uh you know that's just that's kind of how i want to model it so the toronto blue jays have are currently undergoing some major renovations in our stadium here in toronto um as an outfielder they're going to be having some much different dimensions in terms of, you know, the play, the structure, the height, the depth, et cetera. You know how difficult it is to go into different ballparks, to study and to adjust and adapt. What kind of a journey are our outfielders in for having different dimensions this season? And what is the challenge that comes from that when you're playing out there? Um, yeah, I think if I remember correctly, they're moving the fences in. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, I, I obviously like that, you know, from a hitting standpoint and from an outfield standpoint, it's less ground for me to cover when I'm out there and it's more chance for damage when I'm at the plate. Um, but, you know, daily, uh, you know, so like I went to Toronto for the first year last year and I had or to play and I had an absolute blast. You know, I love the city of Toronto generally and I really enjoy playing in the ballpark there. Um, but you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to come into the ballpark for the first time, going to go grab a couple of baseballs, I'm going to go walk the outfield track, kind of get a feel for how it feels under my, under my feet, um, throw a couple of baseballs off the wall, see how it kind of bounces off, you know, see if there's any kind of like directional issues if it bounces off, um, you know, if there's any like, um, outstanding objects like a post or something or a sign, you know, I don't know how the advertisements are going to look. Um, but, you know, just kind of understanding the dimensions, what the ball looks like when it's in the air off the bat, um, you know, like the backdrop up top, you know, it's different on every ballpark. Um, the ball flies different in every ballpark. Um, you know, these are just a couple factors that I like to take in. Uh, every game for the World ba- Baseball Classic for Canada will be worth watching and worth your time. But the one that we have circled, of course, is March 13th for the United States uh, that one will be interesting for all the Canadians involved because there'll be so much familiarity on both sides. But, like, is that a fun game? Is that an immensely serious game? How would you approach a game like that where it's there is that familiarity? And I guess you have that familiarity all across baseball. But this will be a little different with Canada and the United States. So, like, what do you think that moment and that lead-up is going to be like for you? Yeah, you know, obviously the U.S. are probably a favorite to win the tournament. So, um, you know, we're, we're just going to be Canadians out there. We're going to go fight. 
you know, throw, throw our best stuff at them um, and, you know, and just, and just take it to them. Um, I mean, that's the only way I'm looking at it. You know, they're, they're, they're stacked over there. They got Hall of Fame lineup, Hall of Fame pitching, um, you know, that, that's Team USA. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's cool. You know, again, favorite to win the tournament. Um, but, you know, we're, we're just going to, we're just going to play ball. We're going to go out there and fight and uh, see what happens. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think trying to break it down, you know, this far ahead of the game is, you know, necessarily good. Um, but, you know, that's sport, right? Well, we're looking forward to it, Tyler. Uh, the World Baseball Classic begins next month. You'll be on the field for Canada, and we'll be watching and cheering you on. All the best of luck at the event and, of course, this season with the St. Louis Cardinals. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for having me on today. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Tyler. That was Tyler O'Neill, St. Louis Cardinals, and outfielder for Team Canada at the upcoming World Baseball Classic. And new dad. And new dad. Congratulations. Love is in the air today. Love is in the air, and I feel like you have another couple messages. I got a couple of Valentines to read here. Okay. Let's the text hear. line is open, 595.90. You want to profess I mean, your listen, love? Don't even go to the grocery store. Don't go to the florist. This is your opportunity. Fire up a poem. We'll read it. How could it be better than that? It's like if you didn't get to myfrontpagestory.com, just do it right now <laughs> with us. Personalized, very quick. And free. And free. <laughs> but go to frontpagestory.com. Yeah. Okay. Here's a great one from the text line. The buds in blue are our boys. Win a first round and let's jump for joy. Kipper says we aren't big or tough enough. Put Simmons in the lineup and he'll throw the fisticuffs. Nice, we need you. Hurry up, gophers, and go, go, go. Dubis will see you with an extension. Make something happen or it's a permanent benching. Keith, you're our guy. What a great coach. Tortorella will tell you we'll bring in the smoke. What lies ahead for our boys in blue? Only playoffs will tell, and let's hope it's the first since 1967. Is true. Nice. Nice. I that thought, I really thought there was a couple, like, pitfalls there. Once but again, it, it, I am reading it, it, this it worked out on a whim without practicing the um, proper cadence of the mm-hmm. text line. The formatting doesn't come it in is, the text it line properly. It is a properly. little difficult, yeah. I'm doing my best. Any, I like that others? a lot. Oh, you know um, poem from Ben in Oro. I love my mornings with Ailish and Justin. Their takes are straight up and got me all busting. They run through opinions and give us the gist. Their guests are on fire. I love the A-list. Nice. Very Didn't have any issues with that one. Eh? My love for you is like an onion. It brings a tear to my eye like a painful bunion. It's like Aaron <laughs> Rodgers to Robert Tunyon. I can't imagine my life without it. Happy Valentine's Day to my wife, Emily. Simon in Newmarket. Nice. That's so cute. Rhyming Tunyon is not <laughs> That's what I a thought good was one. Tunyon is not an easy one. Um, here's a good one. This has also got a very difficult word to rhyme. It's Mike from Assiniboia again, but he has been. He's fired. I think there's 12 texts to read here. Ketchup is red, mustard is yellow. Ales, loony dogs are back, no mushrooms, please. I don't like portobello. Rhyming with yellow is hard. <laughs> Nice. Mike from Asnaboya again. Roses are red. The Jays are blue. The boys of summer are back to the playoffs to miss by one game, maybe two. That was pretty good. That was kind of sad, though. But, yeah, it's not exactly a love story. One more from Mike. Valentine's to my snookum. Oh, God. Can we say snookum on the radio? Yeah, isn't that like a pet name? Like snookums. I don't know. That's not inappropriate. Roses are red, white as a sheep. Sometimes I wake up grumpy, but most days I just let her sleep. It's really sweet of you. 
<laughs> uh, well, okay. Keep those coming all day. We love it. Um, you got, while you're texting in, text in your wake and rake. You can make it rhyming if you'd like. You know what? Where is Parlay Poppy? This is a day meant for him because I haven't heard him in the text line in weeks. He loves to rhyme. He likes yeah, to he write poetry. First, he was the first to rhyme. And nonetheless, it's been crickets from him. That's all right. Unfortunate, but we'll take it. Five ninety five ninety. You want to send in your Valentine's poems? We'll read them for you. They can be for your loved one. They could be for Toronto sports. That's how we started the show. Poems and picks. Poems and picks. On the other side of the break, we got Bomani Jones, host of the ESPN, host of the Right Time podcast, and host of Game Theory on HBO. Going to run through all things NFL, NBA, maybe Valentine's Day. That's next.